legal can really be a mindset issue. So if yes. legal is intimidating to you, if you feel like it's icky or scared, you know, scary, you need to, to change your mindset on it and just view it as part of growing a business because it's just what business owners do. I promise you the majority of seven, eight, nine, ten you know, figure business owners are using contracts and policies and terms and everything that they do. So if you just start out that way and show the universe that you are taking your business seriously, the universe will respond. And so, you know, having confidence in your offers and what you're putting out there can really go a long way. And part of what helps with that is just feeling confident in your own back end, which includes legal. You're listening to Quantum Leap Your Sales, the podcast for high-ticket coaches who want to fill their programs with ideal clients. I'm Marielle Diaz, your host. You already have everything you need to succeed inside of you. And right now, I'm going to show you the way. Hey there, welcome back to the show. Today, I'm super excited to introduce you to my online business attorney, Sarah Waldbuser. She's the founder of Destination Legal, and she's helped me create my contracts, my website documents, the privacy policy and terms, and she's even helped me secure a few trademarks as well. And today we're going to be discussing five ways you can legally protect your high ticket coaching business. Sarah, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, you're welcome. I'm excited to have you here. I'd love it if we could start out with you sharing a little bit of your story. How did you end up here? helping online business owners. Yeah, absolutely. So um, like many people, I think that move into the online world, I was just unhappy in my nine to five. You know, Mm -hmm. I started out my career working at a law firm. I knew pretty quickly that was not for me. I had no interest in being a partner in a corner office working 80 hours a week. And after a couple years at the law firm, I moved into a different sort of career that involved a lot of travel. So I have a huge passion for travel. That's part of where the name Destination Legal came from. And I was in this career working in basically international global health from a legal side. And I got to travel to all these amazing places. But then I quickly learned that traveling for work is different than traveling for yourself. So I was in Bangkok, Thailand, in Nairobi, Kenya, and Cairo, Egypt, but I was seeing mostly hotels. And so it was pretty soon that I just had to take stock and think about what I wanted to do with my life. So this was back in 2012, so almost 10 years ago. Um, I started Googling work while you travel, work and travel, and travel and work, and what came up was this podcast about starting an online business. And it was the first time this had ever crossed my mind or I had ever heard of it. And I started listening to this podcast to and from my walk to work. And it, you know, within the next, I think six to nine months, I had quit my job, cashed in my 401k and was like, I'm going to do this thing. And, you know, it took a good, three to four years to figure things out. I had a couple of other businesses, did some consulting. I even got a coaching certification, but then it was through meeting all of these other online business owners and coaches that I saw this huge need for legal help. I, no matter what I tried to do, 
whether I was selling at an e-commerce store or doing some business coaching, everyone was asking me for legal help. They wanted to know what kind of contracts they needed, how to protect their business. Could I, you know, give them a privacy policy? And that's kind of how Destination Legal was born. I eventually just gave in to the legal. I was hesitant because I didn't enjoy being a corporate lawyer. And so I just, you know, hid from it for a little bit. But as many of us know, like your purpose and your passion will find you no matter if you try to hide from it. So I gave in and I dove in head first, started working with mostly female coaches in the coaching world. Um, and then we also help some some other types of service providers, VAs, OBMs, social media managers. But Destination Legal is really about helping other women protect their passion. And just, you know, I wanted a freedom-based business, flexible. I wanted to be able to travel. I wanted to be able to take care of my kiddos. And I wanted to help other women do the same. And it turns out that legal is is the vehicle that I'm doing that in. So Today, Destination Legal has been around for, you know, over five years, has helped thousands of online business owners get protected through our legal template contracts, trademarks, policies, and terms. Awesome. I can hear the passion and enthusiasm for your work and your voice when you share your story. I'm curious, what do you love the most about what you do? I love helping people sleep better at night. So when I get feedback (laughs) and when I get you know, messages from from customers and clients just saying, I feel so much better now. I feel so much more confident. You know, I it's amazing to own my brand and just to know that their businesses are secure and that they can get their gifts out into the world. And then I love that it's flexible. You know, I built this business while I was engaged, married and having two babies. And I did it never working more than 30 hours a week. So to have that flexibility and freedom and to help others do the same is really awesome. That is really awesome. I can speak firsthand to the freedom and confidence and peace of mind that it brings to have all of your legal ducks in a row. Having the contracts, having the website policy in terms, having the trademarks definitely does help you sleep much easier at night. Totally. So I'm super excited to get into these five tips that you have today. What's the first tip that you have for us for how to protect a high ticket coaching business? So the number one tip I have is also, you know, what's the number one thing that I need in my coaching business? What's the most important? And that is a contract. If you're offering a one-on-one high ticket service or a high ticket service of any kind, you need a contract. And a contract is so important and it really sets the legal foundation for your business because not only is it about protecting you and your business and your sales, it's also about creating great boundaries and communication with your client. I know a lot of people can be intimidated or think legal is icky, but really it's about protecting your business and outlining the terms of your program, making sure that it's clear that you're setting boundaries. For example, how many sessions are included? How long is each session? How do they have access to you? Is it through email? Is it through Voxer? Is it through a Facebook group? What's your payment and refund policy? Because without a contract, you have no refund policy, which basically means you have to give back the money anytime 
anyone asks for it. And I know if you're offering, you know, high ticket sales, you get some nice payments and you spend them, whether it's back into your business or other investments or to pay yourself. So if someone comes back to you two weeks later after paying you $4,000 and says they want it back, that can be a big issue in your business. And so it's really important to be clear about what your payment and refund policy is. And then there's other important legal protections in a contract around confidentiality, intellectual property, so protecting any of the content, modules, things that you might be creating for your clients, tools, checklists, things like that. And then there's disclaimers, which are very, very important for coaches, basically saying, you know, I'm not a medical doctor, a therapist, I'm not a licensed professional, all of this is information and education only, coaching is not professional advice, and there are no guarantees. Of course, as a coach, you hope to deliver, and whether it's pushing your client to the next income level, helping your client lose 30 pounds, showing them you know, self-love or to be better in a relationship, you cannot guarantee those results from a legal perspective. So disclaimers are super, super important. There's some other really important legal clauses in there around how to solve a dispute or a breaching contract, non-disparagement, which basically means someone can't trash you around the internet, jurisdiction, where is your business located? That's the law that's gonna rule your contract. So it really just is that foundation of a high ticket offer. And without it, you know, you are, are building a business on very, very shaky ground. These are all such excellent points. I actually just got an email from a client the other day who forwarded me his coaching contract. And in the coaching contract, he had a lawyer who works in a totally different area of the law draw up this contract. And in the contract, it just arbitrarily picked the jurisdiction. Is that something that can be done? Can you just choose Delaware as your jurisdiction? So if you have no tie to that state, it really wouldn't make sense to do that. So you certainly can incorporate your business in Delaware, and that's where you would have the jurisdiction be. Now, I have seen this happen before, and it's interesting because a, a contract lawyer in the online space wouldn't do that, but someone that may not be familiar with this area of law, it sounds like, would. And I've definitely seen similar situations where someone has a lawyer that does real estate or you know something else draw up a coaching contract, and I look at it for review and you know, they really just don't know that area. It's kind of like asking a brain surgeon to do heart surgery. They're mm -hmm. still a doctor, but they're not going to get all the nuances of someone that actually knows that area. Such an important point. I also love what you mentioned about the disclaimers before. I know for myself, I am a licensed attorney and also a licensed therapist, but I'm not working in either one of those capacities in my coaching business. So that was one of the things we spent some extra time and effort on in my contracts and disclaimers to make sure that that was very clearly communicated to my clients. Absolutely. And there, especially with COVID, there have been a lot of therapists, 
registered dietitians, physical therapists moving their businesses online. And mm-hmm. when they do so, it is important to have those, disclaimer, those disclaimers that they are not acting in the capacity as X, Y, or Z, but rather as a health coach, a business coach, relationship coach. Yeah, so important to make that relationship crystal clear for the clients. 100%. One thing that drives me nuts that I see a lot in the online coaching groups that I'm in is when people want to borrow each other's contracts. Could you speak to us about that? Oh my gosh, it drives me nuts too. I get so worked up about this. It 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 raises my blood pressure, I'm sure at least 20 points. Um yep. so there are there are a couple reasons why this is not a good idea. The first reason is, is that you don't know what you don't know. So you have no idea if this contract from another person will even work in your business. Even if they're in a similar field or the same field, you have no idea if it has all of the clauses that need to be in there. You have no idea where they got it from, if it has everything that is going to protect you. And so in that sense, you are, you know, maybe 90% sure that you're going to be okay, but you're not 100% sure as if had you gotten it from an online attorney that knew your industry and that you had purchased it. So that's one reason, kind of you just don't know what's in that. But the other reason is that technically that is copyright infringement. So if if they bought it from an attorney or had an attorney drafted and just decided to share it with you, for sure it's copyright infringement and both of you could be fined a a lot of money. And so it's just dangerous in that capacity. So those are the two main reasons is, you know, one being you don't know if it's right and two, copyright infringement. So those are two pretty big important reasons why you shouldn't be sharing or trying to create your own legal documents. You know, I, I see contracts where clearly people have just Googled and thrown in a bunch of terms and disclaimers, and they have no idea what they're saying. So the reason that you wouldn't want to create your own contract or try to piece it together is, again, you don't know what clauses to include, what you could be leaving out, but it's also quite dangerous because if you have conflicting clauses or you have left out a super important clause, then it's almost like you have no contract at all. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I've loved about working with you, Sarah, is that you do your best to demystify the legal language and put it in language that is easily understood by the clients. Even though I understand the legalese, I really want my clients to be able to understand and interpret what they're reading. Even with that, though, there is some degree of interpretation that needs to be done with legal documents. So as a coach in your own business, it is important to hire legal experts to help you, right? To interpret, to make sure that when you look at somebody else's contract, you really understand what it is that you're putting in your own contract, right? You need to have somebody else draft that contract up for you to make sure that it meets all of the specific needs of your business. Absolutely. And that is one of my goals just with Destination Legal in general is to make legal not so scary. And so my contracts really have the the minimum of what you need and nothing that you don't. I find um, other attorneys or, you know, old white men attorneys like write these contracts that are 20 and 30 pages that just have a lot of unnecessary fluff. And that is not what, what I 
aim to do it all. It's really just to make sure that you as a coach are minimally, have everything you need and nothing you don't, and you can actually understand most of what is in there. Absolutely. And the other thing I love about your legal writing is it really has a tone of warmth to it. So many contracts, you can feel the sense of fear and intimidation and aggression just sort of pouring out of the contract. And you do an excellent job of making sure that business owners are legally protected, that the clients understand exactly what it is that they're getting, but doing it with a friendly tone, which I think is so important because oftentimes, especially with a high ticket offer, people are excited, but they're also a little bit scared when they're spending a large sum of money. So when they open up that contract, if they're met with this harsh tone of fear, oftentimes that can create a lot of challenges. So I, I love that about your legal writing. Thank you. I'm glad to hear that. And I definitely have people that come to me. They're like, can I add my logo? Can I add a little bit of introductory language to make it a little more friendly? And absolutely, you know, like, again, this is this is about um, making your clients feel comfortable, too. And if you just make it clear that this is f to protect both of you and and to have a good level of communication and boundaries, then it's even more accepted, I think. I think so as well. And it really does help to set the coaching relationship up with a solid container to do the work from. Absolutely. So what's the second tip that you have for us? So the second tip I have is as you continue to grow your business, there might be other offerings or programs that you need to protect. And so this might not be a one-on-one, -on -one, but it could be a high ticket online course or group program mastermind and for that you want to have terms of purchase so terms of purchase are a little bit different than a one-on-one -on -one contract because they're agreed to online so typically with your one-on-one -on -one, you're going to get a signature whether it's through dubsado or hello sign or uh, HoneyBook or something like that whereas if you're selling an online course or a large group program you might have them sign up and click to agree to the terms of purchase. Because if you have 500 people, you know, it would be just logistically kind of a nightmare to try to get signatures for all of that. And so the online world has answered this question. Um, how do we get people to agree to legal agreements without a signature? And that is through these terms of purchase that are agreed to with a checkbox at the point of purchase. So we all do it, even if we're just buying on Amazon or a couch from Crate and Barrel, you are still clicking and agreeing to these terms of purchase, which are just as legally valid as a signed contract, as long as you have that check the box or similar language at the point of purchase. So you can't just bury this in your footer. It has to be literally at the checkout page. And most checkout cards these days, whether you're on Squarespace or Kajabi or Thrivecart, they all allow for these, you know, I agree to these terms of purchase might also be called terms of use. And, you know, they outline things that are very similar to your one on one. So if it's if it's a course, what's included? How many weeks is it? You know, what else is included? Is there a group? Is there a membership site? Are there calls? You know, so basically just outlining again the terms of your program or service. What's your payment and refund policy? Again, you know, those disclaimers, which are so important, the intellectual property protection. It does differ a bit from the one-on-one -on -one because there's not a confidentiality clause because you cannot guarantee confidentiality within a group. 
and you know a few other things again it's agreed to online so there's no signature block and that kind of thing but this is what you would use as your business grows and you're trying to reach more and more people through online courses membership sites and group programs so sarah it sounds like this would go either on your checkout page or on the whatever it is that you're using for your payment processor is that right exactly yes and what about people who are running credit cards over the phone? What are your thoughts on how they can do this? Yeah, so if you're running a credit card over the phone, you definitely want to get them to either agree to the terms of purchase or sign a one-on-one -on -one contract within 24 hours of taking that payment. Because until the contract is signed, that payment really is not yours because if they then decide to change their mind and there's no contract in place, you have to refund the money. So my suggestion is don't touch the money and within 24 hours, either send out a link for them to agree to the terms or send out the contract for them to sign and then you're good to go. You definitely don't wanna offer any coaching or access to any course you know, program materials until uh, the legal piece is, is set. That's such an important point, and that's a mistake that I see people make all the time. They get excited to have a new client, they process the payment, they give the module access right away, then they get a refund request. Yes. And depending on what people use for their modules, it's not always easy to take the access away, right? Depending on how they have it set up, it can create a layer of complication, and it's good business practice, exactly what you just said. You don't give the access until they sign the contract. Right. And one way that I have found to work with this is I, I used to take payments over the phone and I use Square for my payment processor. And mm -hmm. what I do is I send an invoice to people. They still pay while we're on the phone, but I send the invoice so that way they can see it and I can put the terms and other things that I'd like to put in inside of the memo. And then I send the contract separate. So there's lots of different creative ways to make this work. I know you use Dubsado. There's all sorts of online softwares that make this really simple and easy for us to do as online business owners. So there's really no reason not to do it. Absolutely. It is amazing the tools, of course, that have developed as the online space has grown. Yes. Even Dubsado, I, I used to use uh, Dubsado and they've grown tremendously with what they offer. Yes. What's the third tip that you have for us? So really the third and fourth tip is about protecting your website. So, you know, a lot of people don't realize that you need to protect your website as well. And in fact, part of protecting your website is legally required in the U.S. and in most countries around the world. So the third tip is to make sure you have a privacy policy. And the fourth is website terms of service and disclaimers. And the reason for this is your website is your brick and mortar. You know, it's your legal home. It's your face out to the world. And anytime you put information out into the world, you are opening yourself up to legal liability. So if you have a blog or a newsletter, um, you need to make sure to have these things in place. So the privacy policy is legally required. If you don't have this, you can be fined, whether you're in the United States, Canada, EU, Australia, most countries have privacy policy requirements. And so the privacy policy basically outlines what people, you know, what you're doing with people's information that you're collecting, even if it's just a name and email address, 
Um, there still are privacy requirements around how you're keeping it safe, who you're sharing it with, uh, how long do you keep it, what happens if they unsubscribe, are you tracking them? You know, there's lots of issues around privacy these days, as I'm sure you know, if you're on Facebook and all of that. So the privacy policy must be in the footer on every page of your website, but then also any landing pages where you're collecting people's email addresses. These are things that I think a lot of people overlook and dismiss the importance of. I see a lot of people say, yeah, yeah, I'll get around to that later. And this is also another area where I see people just Googling privacy policy, copying and pasting. Is that a good idea? It's not a good idea. And, you know, again, for the same reasons, one, that's copyright infringement. If you're just copying somebody else's and again you don't know if it has what is needed in there and even some of these free generators you don't know if it is up to date if it includes all of the things um, that are required and you know if you're in the u.s california has strict privacy laws all mm -hmm. of our websites show up in california so we all have to abide by them you know Delta Airlines years ago got fined $37 million by the state of California for not having a privacy policy. And this oh, wow. can happen, you know, you know, is, is California hunting down? Who knows? But why take that risk when you can spend a couple hundred dollars on a privacy policy template from an online business attorney and be done with it? And then it just sits there and you know that you don't have to worry about it. Absolutely. I think the cost to get these things is fairly minimal. And I think it's important just to really set our businesses up for success. Another area I see people cutting corners with this is with using photos online. So let's pull random photos from Google, which of course is not allowed. And a lot of times people think it's no big deal and they'll never get caught. How will anybody ever know? but people do get caught. I know with the photos, I've had two previous business coaches that I've worked with as a client who both got sued for taking random photos off of the internet. This was many years ago. One got fined, I think $36,000 and the other one got fined, I believe it was 70, 70 something, 72 grand, I think. Wow, yeah, so this is a thing. This is actually, there are attorneys whose primary business model is to find photographers that have copyrighted their images and then find them on the internet and bring claims of copyright infringement. And the thing about copyright infringement is that it's statutory, meaning it's automatic that you are gonna have to pay money, even if you didn't mean to, even if you didn't know it was copyrighted, even if your VA did it, you are responsible no matter what. And, and there are attorneys and photographers that are going around collecting money just like that. And it really is unfortunate because there's literally nothing you can do but pay the fine. Yep. And this is why it's so important as business owners to set ourselves up for success, right? A subscription to a stock photo site, 20, 30, maybe 50, 60 bucks a month, depending on the plan that you choose. And that offers you a lot of protection from these types of things. Paying an Absolutely. online attorney, right? To create your privacy policy and your terms is worth the investment. It's an investment in your business. And it's really important to protect your business so that way you can have peace of mind. And like you mentioned earlier, so you can sleep at night knowing that you can really put your energy into serving your clients instead of worrying about yeah. what happened. Absolutely. And when you think about, you know, a coaching contract template, a couple hundred bucks, 
If you use that coaching contract template with five clients at 3,000 each, that contract quickly becomes worth $15,000, right? So this is an investment in your business that you can use over and over and over again and is eventually gonna be protecting 15, 30, 50, $100,000 in sales. Absolutely, and I think one of the best ways that we can support our businesses to grow is to be willing to invest in ourselves and invest in our own businesses. We can't expect others to invest in us if we're not willing to invest in ourselves and in the growth, stability, and security of our own business. Absolutely. So what's the fifth tip you have for us? So the fifth tip, let me just rewind real quick to the fourth. I just wanted to mention um, to wrap up the, the website that in addition to the privacy policy that you do need website terms of service and disclaimers. So whereas the privacy policy is about protecting people that are visiting your website, website terms of service and disclaimers are about protecting you as the business owner from them. So it outlines what people can and can't do with the information on your website. They can't take it. They can't sell it for themselves. And that, again, the information that you're putting out in your newsletter or blog is just information not professional advice, uh, and there are no guarantees to any outcomes. So similar to your privacy policy, this just these go in the footer on every page of your website, and then you know that you're protected there as well. That's awesome. And unfortunately, having other people take content and do all variety of things with it has become increasingly common in the online space over the years as this industry has grown. Right, So it's super important to have these documents in place. Absolutely. And now for the fifth tip, what's your fifth tip for us? Yeah, the fifth tip is to protect your brand. A registered trademark is the most powerful way that you can protect your brand, whether again, this is the name of your business or a program or a coaching service or a podcast. It is the only way that you can actually own the name as a business asset and stop anyone else from your industry in using it. So it really does have a lot of power. And a registered trademark is a way to designate goods or services. So it's how we tell companies apart, right? So if you look at um, a, a brown truck delivering a package, you know that it's UPS and not FedEx. And actually UPS has trademarked the color brown for delivery services. If FedEx started driving a brown truck, we would all be very confused. And so, you know, the U.S. government and governments around the world have created trademarks so that consumers can tell different brands apart. Now, something to keep in mind is that you can have two names within different industries. So, for example, two registered trademarks are Dove Soap and Dove Chocolate. And that's fine because if I say, oh my gosh, I'm in, I ate an amazing piece of Dove today, people know that you're talking about the chocolate and not the soap, right? I would hope. <laughs> I um, but if somebody else tried to trademark something similar to Dove in the chocolate industry, there would be a problem. So it's not that you, there can only be one registered trademark in the whole world. It's just within your industry. So if you're in the coaching space and you've trademarked this amazing name of your group program, you can keep any other online business owners, coaches from doing the same. So it really is a very powerful business asset to have, but it also gives you a lot of security knowing 
that you aren't going to get a cease and desist letter for trademark infringement. Because if you have the trademark, you have the power. If you don't, you're operating again on some dangerous ground because at any time you could get a cease and desist in your inbox and you would have to rebrand immediately. And similar to copyright, there's not much that you can do. And so you don't wanna spend years and thousands of dollars creating a brand around a name that you don't own. Absolutely. So you've sort of already answered this question, but for the sake of clarity, I'm gonna ask it anyway. When is the proper time to consider trademarking? So you can trademark at any time, even before you're selling a product. So for example, Amazon has over 900 trademarks. A lot of them are not in use, but they're reserving the name. You have to be selling something. So it can't just be the name of a Facebook group or, you know, it has to be that you're actually selling a program, a service, you know, a podcast because you can get advertising and all of that, something where you can make money. Um, but I like to use something called the gut punch test. And the gut punch test says if when you think of the name of your service or brand or business, and you know, you think about getting a cease and desist letter tomorrow and having to completely rebrand and change it, how do you feel? If you got a gut punch, it's time to trademark because you don't want to end up in that situation. If you're like, oh, well, I'm not that attached to it, then maybe not. Because trademarking is a commitment. It's an investment. It can take a year or more to complete. You want to hire a trademark attorney to do it right for you. And so, you know, you're not necessarily going to trademark everything, but those key programs, taglines, business names are definitely things that you want to think about. I love that gut punch test. I think that's going to be really helpful for a lot of people. Yes. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on why it's not the best practice to use an online legal service provider, these group programs that exist out there where maybe you pay a membership fee or it's sort of more bulk creation of things like contracts and trademarks. Why is that perhaps not a good idea for trademarking? Because it's such a personal uh, service, right? So, you know, when we trademark with a client, we have a lot of back and forth, right? So there's over 45 different classes. You have to have the description that is broad enough, but small enough. There's a lot of nuances that you don't know. And I have just heard of some pretty bad experiences of people trying to use some of the bigger, cheaper things like, you know, LegalZoom or trademarkia or some of these like big ones mm -hmm. because I don't even know that you get to talk to someone. I've just had people come to me later being like, I tried to get this done and I never heard what happened and I don't even know where we are in the process. And because there's so many steps along the way, it really pays off to have someone that you trust that you can just shoot an email to and be like, Hey, just wondering, you know, what's going on with this or do I need to worry about this? Because again, if this is something that you're spending branding and marketing dollars on building and it's going to be in your business for a while, it's not something to just, you know, throw some money at and hope for the best. Absolutely. Yeah, I think this goes back to a point where we were discussing earlier too. One of the biggest costs in business for all of us is what we don't know that we don't know. Right. So when we use an online service like LegalZoom, it's relying on you to understand what you're reading, checking different things, making selections. 
that from a lay person's perspective, you may feel like you know what you're doing, but oftentimes you're not aware of the true implications of what it is that you're choosing because nobody's there explaining it to you. And I know, and I, you've helped me get several trademarks now. We've got one pending at the moment, and we went back and forth quite a bit. Most recently, we were on a Zoom call. I was asking you questions. We were going through the strategy together, looking at the pros and the cons and the different ways that we could set up the trademark. So that was super helpful for me to be able to ask you those questions and really get the peace of mind and clarity, not only in terms of the trademark, but in terms of the long-term plan that I have for my business. Absolutely. And, you know, trademarking is something that someone can just do. But unfortunately, when people try on their own more, more, way more often than not, they fail because they don't know to think about the strategy. They don't know how to do a comprehensive legal search of all current or pending trademarks. They don't know you know, the nuances of writing a class description or how to pick the best class. So they just kind of throw spaghetti at the wall and hope that it sticks. But I get, you know, messages and emails every couple weeks of someone coming to us to fix their trademark that has been either messed up by another attorney because they decided to use their brother-in-law who, uh, you know, is a divorce attorney or they did it themselves. So again, this is just one of those areas where, I went to school for three years to learn how to be an attorney. And this is something that I know, right? Absolutely. And it's really a very important protection to have in place for your business, especially when you have big plans for your business. And there are certain things that you're planning to do in the future. I know I found that discussion that we had very valuable because it did influence the decision-making process that we went through together as we submitted the trademark application. It is. And it's, it's, powerful, but it's also empowering and it helps your business and sales because it makes you look like the expert that you are. When you see someone with a program name and you see the R with the circle, you know that they own it, right? When we see Marie Forleo with seven trademarks in B-School, like we know that she's an expert. Amy Porterfield with six, you know, you know, I have three and you have a couple because it's addicting to kind of get the taste of that, that empowerment and what it feels like to actually own that. Absolutely. And from an energetic standpoint, if we want to be perceived as experts, we need to act as experts. Totally. All of these tips are really great, Sarah. Very, very helpful. I know that these tips are going to bring a lot of peace of mind to people. We'll have a resource available that I'll link to at the end for people to learn more about these tips, get more information. I'm curious if you have any other thoughts that you'd like to share with us. Um, Just to, you know, sort of bring to light that legal can really be a mindset issue. So if legal is intimidating to you, if you feel like it's icky or scared, you know, scary, you need to, to change your mindset on it and just view it as part of growing a business because it's just what business owners do. I promise you. The majority of seven, eight, nine, ten, you know, figure business owners are using contracts and policies and terms and everything that they do. So if you just start out that way and show the universe that you are taking your business seriously, the universe will respond. And so, you know, having confidence in your offers and what you're putting out there can really go a long way. And part of what helps with that is just feeling confident in your own back end, which includes legal. Such fantastic points, Sarah. 
Where can people find you if they'd like to connect with you? Yeah, so you can find me at destinationlegal.com or on Instagram at destinationlegal.com. You know, I hang out there and do legal tips and and lives and some trainings. And then we will also have our coaches legal checklist, which really talks a lot about uh, what we talked about today at destinationlegal.com forward slash QLYS. Wonderful. We'll have links to everywhere that you can find Sarah in the show notes. Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us today. You are welcome. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Are you ready to enroll more perfect fit clients into your high ticket coaching program? If so, I'd love to invite you to book a free breakthrough call. We'll spend up to 45 minutes together getting you clear on what has been holding you back from making more sales, and we'll develop a plan together to help you to reach your goals. To book your call, go ahead and head on over to marieldiaz.com forward slash connect. We can't wait to talk with you soon.